I uh, couldn't trust my parents because of the lifestyle that they lived. I couldn't trust the schools. I tried military. I couldn't trust the army. And least of all, I couldn't trust myself. So through a series of events, I found myself working at an agency with a, a man and we would, uh, over liquor, we would discuss religion. He was convinced that it was re required to go to church to be a Christian. And I was convinced there was more, had to be more to it because I knew a lot of church goers that were just as messed up as I was. Is it possible to make disciples in your business? Or is that a conflict of interest? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is the first of three parts of an interview with longtime Navigator with the Kansas Communities Ministry, Mr. Elmo Joseph. I've known Elmo for nearly 40 years now, and let me tell you, Elmo is the real deal. He wasn't raised in a Christian home, but when the Lord got a hold of him, he has been a faithful follower of Jesus ever since. I know you're going to enjoy and benefit from all the practical wisdom that Elmo will share with us today and over the next couple of podcasts. I have with me today Mr. Elmo Joseph, who has been a, uh, a pillar in the Navigator ministry that we've been involved with for a number of years. So thanks for joining me today, Elmo. Glad to be here, David. Looking forward to visiting with you. Tell us a little bit about Elmo Joseph. Tell us about your background and uh, kind of how the Lord's worked in your life. Well, David, I was born in southeast Kansas, a small town, but I went to most of my school years. It was in Oklahoma City, which, uh, of course, a much larger place. Uh, as I, uh, after my first year of college, it, it was at OU, I went, moved back to southeast Kansas, back to a little town and <clears throat> met my wife-to-be and of 55 years now, and uh, we have uh, two children, and they have given us 11 grandchildren. And in the last year or so, we've got two great-grandchildren. And then uh, did you grow up in a Christian home environment? You know, I did not. There was uh, some church involvement, basically, that I went to church when I was forced to do so. And it would be holidays a few times a year. I was baptized Catholic. And there was a divorce at two, and I went with my dad. Uh, he married a Protestant a tender. I remember in the kindergarten age and that, that I did go to some Sunday school, but then uh, for some reason, dad decided not to go anymore. So he didn't go. I didn't want to go. And so that that's, was the rest of my growing up years. Now you went to OU. What was your major in college? History. I like history. As I got into my uh, third year at uh, Pittsburgh State in Southeast Kansas, uh, married uh, second child on the way, working full-time evenings at the railroad. My brother had just graduated and went to work teaching, and I made 30% more than he did working on the railroad all the live long day, so that was <laughs> the end of my schooling. Uh, I spent about 20 years. Uh, I like being a railroad agent. That that was the, the job I I uh, used my seniority to work. The Katy Railroad, who I worked for, was bought out by the Union Pacific. And so when that, uh, when that merger took place, uh, I had an opportunity to leave. And I saw that what did away with my craft, basically, was the computer and the copier. 
So I had a 19-year-old son that was eager to get into the IT world in 88 and 89. Of course, he was brand new. And so we went into business, an IT business. And so for 25 years, then I was self-employed at a small IT business. So I worked in a large corporation and as a sole proprietor. And you're retired at the present time, but uh, but very busy, I think, nowadays. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, <clears throat> the thing I found when I was uh, a business owner, I called it uh, my for-profit ministry. Uh, it allowed me to not only provide for my family, but for the families of my employees. Never had more than 15, usually 10 or 12. But <clears throat> it also allowed me to uh, finance ministries as well as it gave me the freedom uh, to do my own. And of course, that's where I, that's where I uh, did my evangelism and my establishment and equipping. That's where I discipled with fellow workers and then my customer base and my vendor base. And so when I left, sold my business uh, and uh, retired fully in 2014, I had to find a new fishing pool. And uh, so there was, uh, I had a lot of time uh, now, all of a sudden, every day is Saturday. <clears throat> so why do I get up in the morning? Well, one of the things that I did uh, since I was converted to Christ uh, about 45 years ago was make disciples. Mm -hmm. And that didn't change. That didn't change when my children got out of grade school and into high school and into college. Uh, that didn't change when we moved five times. That didn't change when I moved from one type of work to another. Uh, that didn't change when I retired. My Still, my primary commitment to life was to make disciples. Let me go back just a second, because there's a lot of, uh, lot of the things I want to explore there in what you've said. How did you become a believer in Jesus? You didn't grow up in that environment, and how did that No, change? I didn't. At age 28, I married a good job with the railroad, two, two children. I think they were four and seven. I was looking for something someone I could trust. At age 13, I went to a church camp. I think my folks got rid of me for a week that summer. And I heard every evening somebody would rant and rave up there. And I was in a group of about 20 young men in a, in a uh, small cabin. And every evening, different ones, would they'd go forward down there. Well, finally, the last day came, and I was the only guy that hadn't done that. So I went down there and I remember somebody said something and put something on a card and I went home. But I realized now that I did learn something that week. I learned that I was a sinner and that the ways of sin was death. So now 15 years later, that had bloomed into desperation. I uh, couldn't trust my parents because of the lifestyle that they lived. I couldn't trust the schools. I tried military. I couldn't trust the army. And least of all, I couldn't trust myself. So through a series of events, I found myself working at an agency with a, a man. And we would, uh, over liquor, we would discuss religion. He was convinced it was re required to go to church to be a Christian. And I was convinced there was more, had to be more to it because I knew a lot of churchgoers that were just as messed up as I was. So finally, one day I found the truth. I found somebody I could trust. And uh, I was invited by Christ into the kingdom. And David, I jumped in. 
and my darkness turned to light. The load was lifted off of me, and almost immediately, uh, a couple began to invest in Carol and I's life in that little church in that little Kansas town, and he was involved with what he called the Navigator Ministry in Wichita, and, and so he started uh, spending time with me, and she spent time with my wife, and we went to a conference, and big conference back then. There was over a thousand people, and Lauren Sani <clears throat> spoke on the worth of the individual, and that gripped my soul. I've never forgot that. That's guided me from the very beginning. And so, um, as I was discipled within a within a year, I was able to lead a man to Christ, and I began to disciple. You see, I thought that's what everybody did. <laughs> I thought that was being a Christian. Well, of course, as I've spent time growing and maturing, I realized that unfortunately. A lot of the Christians I know don't get that. They don't understand that. But it doesn't make any difference. I'm going to do it anyway. And so that's kind of how I got started and, of course, been involved with the Navigators these 45 years. Mm. And I've been been a disciple of Christ and helping to make other men disciples of Christ who will help other men make disciples of Christ. Yeah. And it's really neat. To, I've been able to go back eight generations and my um, my past to see where I came from, at least back in the early 1900s, and then I've I've got I was with five generations not too long ago. Man, I discipled a man who discipled a man who discipled a man who, and that's that's forever. That's wow. that's what life's yeah. about. Amen. But you mentioned that you um, part of your business. Uh, I, I should say part of your uh, intent in the business was to make disciples. You had contact with customers and employees, and I can hear some people saying, "Well, that's kind of the wrong use of uh, of a business to uh, to talk about religion in that setting." Can you tell us a little bit about what that looked like? How did you do that? Well, I learned that that it's not a religion. I, when people ask me if I'm religious, I tell them no, and they don't know what I mean. Well, what I mean is it's relationship. I have a relationship with, with the Father God through Jesus the Son by God the Holy Spirit. And so I have, that's what all my whole life's about, relationships, whether it's in my work or it's in my family and certainly in my eternal life. It's all about relationships. And, yeah. and I find that uh, I've, I've had people perhaps pull away, but never reject. Because you see, they're relational creatures too. And they're all hungry for relationships. So it's, yeah. it's, uh, it does draw men. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so if I, have, if I have the secret to successful relationships, people want to hear that. And of course, it's Jesus Christ. How did you minister to your employees? What did that look like? Well, I treated them like I wanted to be treated. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yeah. You know, very complex. Yeah. And uh, I, I would uh, spend time. I noticed, uh, of course, being a new industry. Uh, I was an old guy and at 40s, in my 40s when I started. All the men I hired usually were were late teens, 20s. There, there just wasn't any uh, computer technicians back then. 
they, they were all green and experienced. And, and I began to notice that uh, kind words and smiles, uh, a touch on the arm, uh, it, it, they're, all these young men were hungry for love and acceptance. Hmm. And so I learned, I just earned their trust and uh, somewhat of a father figure, I think, mm-hmm. more than a boss figure. And being a, a small business like that, I could do it. It wasn't 100% by any means. But I was able to lead men in Christ. I told every man that I hired, I said, I have two goals. Number one, as long as you're here, you'll become a better computer technician. And number two, you'll become a better man. That happened almost 100%. And I had... Men that would come to me and say, well, I don't know much about it. I have some I have some book learning, but I need experience. And so I'd hire them. And, of course, it costs me to break in a new man. But when they would leave, hopefully they, they were better technicians and they were better men. And I felt successful when I did that, whether I made any money off of them or not. Did you um, make appointments to visit with them outside of work hours to uh, read scripture together and so on? Yes. Yes. Uh, Some I led to Christ and some were already Christians and some rejected. But it but it was a it was a high percentage of men who responded Mm -hmm. to spiritual truth wherever they were at. Much Mm -hmm. higher than when I was in a large corporation. It was it was much freer. Uh, easier for me to do that mm-hmm. because I was able to treat them. I uh, had the freedom to be kind and sensitive and care. Caring and sharing, I think, is at the heart of this ministry. It was. It's always needs to be life to life, face to face. You have to spend time. You have to spend time with them. Uh, one of the things I've learned is praying, praying daily when you're apart from them. Praying is, is a, a foundational part of any of the relationship that I have with them because it, it's, they're Christ's disciples. Uh, Christ died for them. Uh, so being in prayer, I think that my uh, motivation is founded. Uh, one of my favorite books is Titus. Titus was sent by Paul. Uh, to Crete. The Cretans are all liars, evil brute beasts, and lazy gluttons. Reminds me of me, and certainly my American citizen associates, you know, that's us. That's my grandchildren. We're just naturally those things. So Paul sent him to Crete to not only um, start churches, win people to Christ, but to raise up elders. You know, that's an amazing task. Well, how do you do that? Well, I saw two things as I studied the book. First of all, he taught them sound doctrine. He taught them the truth. Of course, we have the opportunity, particularly in the epistles and the gospels, to do that. We can teach them the truth. Then the other thing, he said, you flesh it out for them. You set an example. You live it with them. You let them see it in action. And so that's been my model. That was my model in the job, and that's my model in the family, and that's my model today. Uh, so that requires that uh, that I share. Um, and how do I do that? Well, again, I look to Christ. How did he do it? I see he did two primary things. He asked questions and he told stories. You teach them sound doctrine of the Word of God and you flesh it out. 
two principles from the book of Titus. Following the model of Jesus, you ask questions and tell stories. Boy, what great advice from Mr. Elmo Joseph. Elmo references a classic talk by Lauren Sani called The Worth of the Individual. I'll put a link to that free talk in our show notes. Why not take a moment to listen to that inspiring message? Join us next time for part two of our interview with Elmo as he discusses the nuts and bolts of all this on Making Disciples Naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.